Hey there, I'm Sarah Dandeshi from Ask a Concierge, and you are listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart. <laughs> Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today on From the Heart. I appreciate you taking time to sit and talk with us. Travel is definitely a topic that is on everybody's mind right now, whether they have completely stopped travel like most of us, or they're still looking for safe places to go, or the big question that I think we'll talk about a lot today is, when can we start traveling again? We have a lot of personal travelers. We have a lot of business travelers who watch and listen to From the Heart. So I would love to just start with, uh, I know that you, and I believe it was 2015, were the best young concierge in the world. It's been a long time since I've been the best young, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, for those that wonder what that is, it's sort of like, think of Miss Universe. It's the Miss Universe of the concierge industry. I'd love to just dive right in and find out how did you, first of all, tell us about that award that that uh, best young concierge in the world who gives that award what is what's the story behind that yeah well first of all thank you for having me on um but uh, so to give you some backstory on that particular award uh there so i have been a hotel concierge for over 15 years and i worked in fancy fancy hotels uh, five-star hotels for nearly two decades which as I was doing the math on that, I'm like, oh my gosh, can I actually say that I've done something for nearly two decades? That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've definitely um, have, have lived a good amount of my life in hotels and working in hotels. And uh, within, you know, if you've ever been to a fancy hotel, you might go up to the concierge or you might walk past the concierge desk. And if you ever see somebody with gold keys on their lapels, that means that they are part of an elite organization of concierge. And it's called Les Clés d'Or, which is French for meaning the gold keys. And uh, it is this historic organization that's been around since, since the fifties, you know, formally. And, um, and that's how you know that you're dealing with a professional. And I happen to be part of that organization. And because it's a bit of a aging profession, and we have many of those type of professions, you know, around the world, but because it's an aging profession, in an effort to sort of encourage younger generation of concierge, they ended up creating this award for the best young concierge in the world. And wow. they started this about 10 years ago or so. Uh, maybe 12 years. And uh, so, yeah, so basically all, you know, this organization, it is international. So then you have different chapters, which are certainly divided up by countries. Naturally, I'm within the U.S. chapter. Sure. And so the, the U.S. Uh, ended up uh, in 2015, ended up choosing me to be their um, representative or their nominee. And then uh, I then went on to compete internationally. Mm -hmm. And then I was actually the first uh, time a person from the U.S. had won because wow, that's great. in mind, this is, you know, the ho hotel industry and hospitality is so deeply rooted in Europe and overseas. And so even though, for example, the US might be the largest chapter, the, as far as internationally, it's it's got this legacy to it that's far, um, that, that's just far more weighted than say in the United States. So um, so yeah, so that's why everybody else seems to, to have won. And then this was the first year that the US won. So go team USA. Congratulations, that's fantastic, <laughs> what an honor. I, I, I think that's uh, anytime you're in any kind of a competition like that and you get a chance to, to compete, as you put it, and then win against competition around the world, that, that's pretty cool. It says a lot about your background and your experience. Yeah. So how did you get into this? I know that when we chatted last week, you talked a little bit about you know options you had for different types of part-time work. And I'd love to hear your story about how you got into this industry to begin with. Before we really dive in, I think, like I said, the majority of the folks 
watching and listening today do have done a lot of travel and are hoping that that day comes again when we can. I know, you know, my wife and I love to travel and we've had several trips this year canceled or postponed as a result of the pandemic. But before we go into really the, the meat of that, I'd love to just hear how you got into this. Yeah, well, and yeah, we'll definitely dive into that because I, I certainly want to bring it full circle and talk about what we can do, where we can travel, what's going on in the right. travel industry today. Um, but a bit of my backstory is, uh, you know, I was going to school at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. I was studying uh, at the School of Foreign Service, which is basically for an international relations degree. And uh, in that, uh, I always wanted to... I, I needed a part-time job and my cousin at the time who had gone to hotel school and all that was working at the Four Seasons. And so he's like, oh, don't work down the street. It's just like any old restaurant, come work at the Four Seasons. You can get benefits and all this stuff. So I'm like, sure. ooh, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed at 19. Like, whoa, benefits. Wow, I'm an adult. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's, it's so funny, but, but that's really what, what gave me my introduction to hospitality. And I'm so grateful that I learned it. Um, and my first introduction was at such a well-respected brand like the Four Seasons, sure. the training that I got. So fresh out the gate into hospitality. Yeah, they're known for their, their they service. They are known. Yeah. And so they groomed me. I, I didn't have a chance to have any learn any bad habits. I was just thrown into the, the deep end with it. And so that's really how I got started in, in hospitality. And then when I moved out to Los Angeles, it just seemed like the right fit. And then I worked at the Lermitage in Beverly Hills, which at the time was a Raffles property, then became a Fairmont. And then I was at the Peninsula in Beverly Hills. And then more recently, uh, the London West Hollywood, which is a, you know, a five-star boutique hotel. So it's been a really interesting journey and sort of a happy accident. And then as I've created my online brand as well, too, I've been able to, as I like to say, go beyond the desk. So sure. you don't see too many... Uh, traditional hospitality people with maybe as much of an online presence as as what I've sort of created over the years. So it's been, that's been an exciting journey. And I love to get to talk to travelers, whether it's in person at a hotel um, or, you know, online as well. Was there a point when you were at the Four Seasons or early on when you, or what was that point when you realized, you know, this isn't just that part-time job to get me through Georgetown, but this is what I really want to do with my career? It wasn't really, I didn't really re feel that at Georgetown. It was definitely part-time or not part-time, but it was definitely like, oh, this is just like the day job. But I also knew I was pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. It was when I moved to Los Angeles and I actually had applied because my background was more in food and beverage. I'd been a bartender, cocktail server, hostess. So that was more of my, my world. And the general manager was like, I think you'd make a great concierge. And I'm like, does this guy know I wanted to be a bartender? Like, yeah, exactly. like, what's going on here? I'm like, wow, that seems like such a, such a hefty role. And I'm like, well, sure, I, I can figure it out. He's like, oh, I know you can. And uh, so I started with that. And it, it was probably two years, shortly into that, where I finally started getting into my groove as far as being a concierge. And I'm like, oh, there's something to this. And I'm pretty good. And then when I went to the peninsula, that was even a whole other level of grooming uh, that I got there because that was, you know, then I was now a con not just experienced at a five-star hotel, but being the concierge, like the point of contact for all of these individuals at a five-star five-diamond hotel in the heart of Beverly Hills. Like it doesn't get much, you know, more in the mix of things than that. So th again, that was another real 
special moment in that it was it was definitely high level of grooming <laughs> sure. uh, that happened there. But I, I really, it just came naturally. And so it was kind of this natural progression, but it, it felt right. Can you talk to somebody like me who travels a lot or traveled? I'll, I'll use past tense, but really I do mean present because we'll get back yeah. to that. Um, the, the role of a concierge. I mean, again, I'm just, a lot of times I travel, I don't really even think to contact the concierge. I mean, I, there's been times when it's like, hey, can I get some hockey tickets or something if I'm in Minnesota or what have you? But what are some of the normal requests? And then I'd love to hear maybe some of the more strange ones you've received. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I mean, here's the thing is, is that I think there's a big, I don't think, I know there is a big misconception with concierge is that all too often they're like, oh no, like how am I, how much am I going to have to pay them? Or are right. they just going to give me advice on places that like they get a kickback or this or that and it's like okay let, let totally breaking it down for you if you are at a, a hotel and you're dealing with a good concierge the best way to look at them is like your liaison to the city like they're your contact to the city so they are you should absolutely use them. You should ask them where you can go grab a cup of coffee. You can go, you know, you can ask all sorts of things. And, you know, I understand that there is a trust factor, but you can start with something simple like that. I mean, realistically, nobody's getting a kickback for every time that you go to a coffee joint. So like, if you want to like stress out the situation, you can ask for something, you know, as in essence, as simple as that, but really like they are such Using a concierge is such a way to take your experience at a hotel to the next level because they know the immediate area, they know where to go, and they'll recommend it for you. So it, it, you can really make it something special. Find so out again, yes, likes are and dislikes, and so you can customize your approach. Exactly. To that. Exactly. And they're just kind of great people to have like a conversation with. And and it's all too. I mean, it's you don't have to be talking about the fanciest restaurants or the fanciest stores. It could be like. Hey, I'm just looking for whatever. Local target. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it, and then, you know, as far as like the, as people always get worried, they're like, oh my gosh, do I have to tip and this and that? And it's like, look, here's the thing. It, it's the, this is the service industry. So, you know, you, I always say like, if you wanted to tip, you would tip based on the amount of effort that was made. If you just, Hey, where's the nearest target? Awesome. Thank you. Whatever. Move on with your day. Yeah. If you use a concierge and they've planned out your, whole stay for a week with breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner, tours, this, that, whatever. And it's like for your whole family, okay, that's going to be a bit of a different, sure. a different thing. And it's, and which all it's makes sense. Exactly. But one doesn't need to feel intimidated to use a concierge if they're not asking for, for all of that. You can just ask for the simple things. You can yeah. just be like, Hey, I need to get like, a flannel shirt, where could I get one of those? I know it's summertime, but where would I find a flannel shirt now? Or whatever it is. And so the normal sort of requests are definitely, you know, uh, restaurants, tours, tickets, car rentals, uh, you know, sightseeing options as far as like where to go. You can even ask them how best to plan your day. You know that you have to go to five different places, but you don't know the city. You can be like, hey, these are the five places I need to go to. Map it out a little bit. What's the best way to tackle that? Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking for this like really rare type of wine. Do you happen to know a cool wine store nearby that would most likely have this? You know, a good concierge will not only be like, oh yeah, I think I know a store. They'll pick up the phone and call so that you know that it's at the store before you go yeah. and oftentimes so, you're calling somebody that you know because you've built those relationships with those exactly places exactly and so so i mean yeah is there an element of you know that 
that you're you're basically tapping into all of their network of individuals yeah. as well. So it, it's great. Now, as far as unusual requests that we can talk about. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, no, of course. I mean, it, it honestly, it's gosh, it runs the gamut. I mean, one, you know, we did have a family um, from uh, the Middle East had they would come every summer, and one summer they came and they wanted to get a a dog, a puppy, and so they bought a puppy was a miniature I don't know something um, a miniature something they got it then they had the puppy then it was like cool we need to train the puppy and it's like awesome so next thing you know we're helping like get training for the puppy oh the puppy needs shots okay great we're this is where you'll have to go to the vet oh cool now we've just spent a month here we need to fly back with the puppy can we make sure that the puppy has all the things it needs to really? fly back with us to where we're going to so yeah that's a bit more in depth uh, you could sure. say you've got something you're going to do every day no i mean some people they're like hey i'm in this i'm like in the states i really need to get um do a driver's test like where can i do a driver's test uh to you know people that are like hey i need help finding a a home do you know any realtors to gosh i mean really it, it runs the gamut hey i need to send something to um uh, a, a family member who's passed away in Russia, can you help me send flowers in Moscow tomorrow? I don't know, like you name it. So it, no day is the same, I yeah. have to say. <laughs> yeah, you triggered a, a memory to or a thought. You, you mentioned Middle East and I meant to start with just expressing my condolences. I know you have family over in Lebanon and um, that may or may not have been impacted, maybe not directly, but certainly impacted by the explosion over there in Beirut. So everything yeah. with your family, are you getting good, you know, are you hearing back that everybody's safe? So everybody is safe. Thank you for, for mentioning that. So I know I don't look it, but I am half Lebanese. And uh, so I do have uh, several aunts and uncles and and even my stepmother, is, they, act, they live in Beirut. And so thankfully everybody is okay. They all happen to be in a different room at the time of, I mean, obviously in their respective homes, but sure. in rooms that, because uh, basically how it, it tended to, to go in that, in all of their homes, in the main living room area where they had big windows, all of those were blown in, but they happened to not be in the main room. So luckily they, they didn't get hurt at all. They have Good. to deal with the other stuff, but at the end of the day, I think uh, safety and health is number one. Absolutely. And, um, and then, so yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. It is no, I, I wanted to mention that earlier. I actually had written that in a bullet point, but, but skipped over it. And, no. and also for me, I think is a good transition. So right now, you know, obviously pretty much we're being told when and where we can travel and when, you know, there's places I know, for example, I have a brother that lives in Hawaii. And if, if we chose to go visit him at least weeks ago, there would be a quarantine if we flew to Hawaii. I don't know if that still is in effect as of today or not, but are there places that are actually more surprisingly safe to go to right now that you're hearing about that maybe I would think, wow, I would never go there? Or what's overall, just what's your take on what's happening as far as travel bans being lifted in various places that people tend to like to go? Yeah, well, so I mean, really what we're seeing, and I'm, I'm sure those that are avid travelers are certainly really dying to get out, uh, are probably, you know, sensing this or seeing this, but there's definitely this strong trend towards domestic travel, sure. just with so many international travel bans. And yes, there are places that you can still travel to internationally, but just 
as far as all the different questionable aspects of those um, of traveling internationally. Are you going to be able to get a COVID test um, in time? Will the will the airline approve it? Will the destination approve it? What so there, there's a lot of variables that's making international travel at this point in time a little bit less attractive than usual. So definitely a strong trend towards um, towards domestic travel. And that being said. Uh, road trips, because people are still on the fence when it comes to air travel, even if it is domestic. And um, even though studies and reports have come out that it's like, hey, if it's not as bad as what you might think, it definitely has um, uh, a reputation hurdle that it's going to have to get over. Yeah. So what we're really seeing is obviously, you know, the, the domestic, the road trips, uh, outdoor destinations, a lot of uh, national parks. What I would recommend is to probably not go like with maybe the the big ones. Like, I mean, Grand Canyon, we all know Grand, Grand Canyon's amazing, by the way. Sure. Um, but it's like, everybody's going to go to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, so yeah. to think a little bit off the beaten path in regards to that. I personally just happened to go to Sedona uh, mm. not too long ago. And I mean, and it was kind of by chance. It was a place that was on my, my list, but I went in the middle of the week and it wasn't that crowded. We were just able to hike and do things outdoors. So you even, you even had this sense of normalcy. Like it felt normal. You didn't feel like, oh, like what am I doing? Because in general, like if you're out in a, in your, and you're hiking, you're not really around people. So you don't, yes, you might have your mask with you, but you don't have to wear it the whole time while you're, while you're hiking. hiking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of refreshing to have a, a bit of something like that. And because I think so many people are flocking to some of these other destinations, that was such a perfect, perfect option. So for people that are going, definitely just or, tr or trying to figure out where to go, um, you know, keep, keep it, don't keep it simple. Maybe try to go someplace anywhere between, you know, 100 to 400 miles from home, depending on how much you're comfortable driving, sure. and uh, opt for those uh, places that are open air destinations. And um, and then if you can, go in the middle of the week, just less people are out. Sure. So that's always good. So you'd be in support of what my wife and I and our family have in mind. We're leaving Saturday to go uh, camping up in Bryce Canyon. Oh, definitely. So we'll be just being outside for a week is going to be so wonderful. It's going to be, and honestly, you know, it's. It's, it's an interesting time because here we are in August. I can't believe we're in August, but we are in August. And it's, you know, wow, since March, what a time it has been. But there is still an element of, you know, this is the traditional, you know, tail end of summer and people are still kind of taking those breaks. So even though we've, I feel like we've sort of sputtered as far yeah. as trying to like get things going now people are just like okay i'm going to take a break so yeah. things are slowing down so definitely take advantage of that time so some people listening have to travel because their job they're in an essential industry uh, i've read a few articles of people that some of their travel has actually gone up during the pandemic because maybe he or she is the ceo of their business and nobody else is traveling so mm -hmm. so she or he is having to do all of it mm -hmm. others are just traveling just because it's the nature of their beast and their profession what types of excuse me? What types of advice would you give to them, or to people who are now starting to get back into some of that business travel, the personal travel? We'll talk about more, but yeah, a lot of people are going to have to start traveling for business again. Any any suggestions or things that you're seeing that are working? Well, it's interesting because I feel like the business travel is probably going to come back slower than originally 
and like anticipated. I think that that was the big thing that everybody's like, oh, and by the way, traditionally speaking, in what we've seen in times past, like when we had the recession in 2008, when we had 9-11, what makes this time different than those times is that at that time, business travel stayed pretty even. People were still traveling. They, they, and so that was a good basis for the travel industry. Whereas now it is all completely um, decimated. (laughs) And um, with the liability with business travel, yes, it's not to say that some people won't still be traveling. Absolutely. Some, depending on the nature of their job or their position, they will. But as far as like the sheer volume as before, we aren't going to see that for quite some time just due to the liability. And, you know, as people are relying on technology, like for example, this, we're on Zoom right now. So that's going to be a little bit of a longer recovery period than what they had originally anticipated. Um, and that as far as the bounce back in the industry is definitely going to be more uh, in the leisure travel and even a bit of the luxury space as well too. Those that might not be impacted as much financially, or at least they would still have, you know, the, the funds to be able to go travel. And um, so they have the funds, they have a little, they have the time and they're, they're willing to, to kind of pay the extra dollar in essence for the cleanliness, the safety and all of that. And luxury brands have, have really stepped up to the plate. In fact, travel brands in general have stepped up to the plate. So I just have to say a kudos across the board. Um, you know, nothing's perfect, but they're all doing the best that they can, given the circumstances. You think a lot of that is just because they're trying to find ways to entice people to still travel? Because you, you drive around. When we spoke last week, I told you about some of the hotels near where we are now mm-hmm. that are just closed. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, here's the thing. I mean, take any business doesn't matter what it is, something external happens and the business that, you know, let's just say might normally operate between 90 and 100% is now, as far as like a demand, is now only having a demand of 3%. Like really let those numbers sink in. When you, when you, you, you have to do something. You can't just sit there and be like, oh, well, we'll just wait. Like you have to make decisions. And that's why certain, certain places and, Gosh, the, the, the nature of so many uh, you know, hotels and different travel businesses are so different. So it depends on what works for them. But that's why so many of them did close because they're like, it just, we, we can't, it just makes no sense. We'll drive our business into the ground if we stay open. Or those that did stay open, they um, were in essence changing on the fly because they had to meet their guest needs that were there then and now in the middle of the pandemic. So uh you know, it's that, that's why I say it's like they've all done a really good job given the circumstances. Uh, and obviously there are specifics, you know, to each one and, you know, depending on property type of clientele and all of that. But, you know, they really kind of, they've stepped up to the plate because really quite honestly, they've had no yeah, other they, choice. Their hands been forced. Yeah. You, you exactly. deal with a lot of different industries, obviously, I know, depending on where you work and, and the requests that you receive. Mm-hmm. I'm at a hotel right now. My wife and I, I shared with you and with our audience before that we've quarantined. We've had to be away from home for a little bit right now because of this. And ironically, I'm, I'm actually interviewing the international concierge of the year from, <laughs> from the 13th floor of a hotel slash oh, in Anaheim perfect. Uh, near, near Disneyland. So I think of Disneyland because they're right here and literally outside our window. Mm-hmm. What from your expertise and experience and what you're hearing needs to happen before 
we start getting, and I, I'm not going to use the word normal because we don't know what normal looks like anymore. Yeah, there's no normal. <laughs> and I know you don't, you don't have the expertise on when's Disneyland going to reopen. It's more the generic for the, the amusement parks and the ballparks and a lot of the other public places to reopen. What are you hearing in your industry? Because I know we hear the scientists, we hear the politicians, but someone who's working in the industry that really works closely with these different organizations, what are you hearing that needs to happen before we can get back to some sort of quote unquote normal? So this is what I, I always say, because because um, there are several layers to that. And I, I thank you so much for asking. This is a really good question, because I think all too often here in the United States, first of all, the United States, we are an amazing, huge country with so many different people and, and different outlooks and, and all of that. But with that, it becomes a, become a little, we become a little bit siloed in the sense that we're always just thinking about this and it's our politics and this and that, is this what's happening? Do we wear a mask? Don't we wear a mask? It's whatever it is, this, this conspiracy theory or not. Right. And I always just say, okay, well, we'll stop for a moment and let's look outside the US. Now, by all means, am I saying you can't do a cookie cutter, um, see what's working somewhere else and like cookie cutter and make it and work for here, us yeah. because there are very few places that are as big or as expansive as the United States. There's so, and I mean, even culturally speaking, the U S is based on the notion of freedom. So it's like, there's certain things that we just as Americans just don't like really, we're like, Whoa, that's my freedom. Don't, don't come here. So uh, we have to kind of take all of that into consideration. But what I always say is look and see who else is doing how they're rebounding and see how can we learn from that and see where they're having successes and what we can what applies to us really at the end of the day whether it's through the use of wearing masks whether it's a vaccine whatever it is at the end of the day the, the only way to really kind of start that recovery process is that numbers just have to go down just has so, to flatten as they say sure yeah has to flatten and like go down even more than flatten like literally and and you know we can even look at someplace like you even like los angeles and which had done such a great job at the beginning but you know they reopened when we were like getting a thousand cases a day versus you look at someplace like Spain, who was also a hot spot, hit very hard. Right. And they didn't reopen until they were getting like a hundred cases a day. Sure. So it's looking at, at things like that, you know, to just kind of get an idea for a perspective. And it's not to say, and it's not to even get political or, or no, anything. Of course. Yeah. It really is to just like, look and see what, what's happening. And so interestingly enough, I actually have a video coming about, out about this this week, is that, so originally when all of this happened, you kind of have like the three areas of hotspots. You have China, the US, and they were like Europe, you know, basically Spain Europe, and sure. Italy, in, in essence. So, you know, for example, Arnie Sorensen, CEO of Marriott, came right. out to say, I anticipate the recovery in China and the US will be faster than Europe because we have a strong domestic travel base. That, and this was probably like in May that this came out and very valid point. What it didn't account for is actual containment of the virus. Sure. And so where Europe has done a very good job as far as containing it, are there spurts of like, you know, flare ups and arguably second waves or different waves? Sure. Well, guess what? We're also going to get those as well too. But like, that's just the reality and the nature of, like the lifespan of the virus is that we're going to have that. So what we've really found is that in places that have had 
um, where centralized governments have had a stronger response to keeping people at home or staying, you know, whether it's like all, all of that, where there was a stronger response and a more unified response from the central government is where numbers have gone down and businesses started to pick back up again. Sure, now, sure. we're still not back, you know, China and Europe aren't back there at the, the numbers that they need to be at, but they're definitely, their momentum to recovery is faster than our momentum to recovery. So what you're hearing from the, your, your clientele and from the people that you service, not necessarily the guests, but the businesses that you service, because you're, you're serving them, obviously, as well. You're bringing business to them as a concierge in the role that you're in. Sounds like what you're hearing is that they anticipate just as, as the consumer confidence goes up and we feel that we're safer going out. And that's why yeah. you're recommending more of these shorter 100 to 400 mile trips because you're exactly fewer public restrooms and stores and restaurants to go into at that point. all of that all of that and, and here's at the end of the day it's you know i'm not saying to not travel right because i i, I don't say that i just say travel smart yeah and and do what you're comfortable with i have friends that don't even go to the grocery store still right. Sure. And they have their food delivered. There's reasons, whether they live with someone who's at risk or they're just feeling the risk or whatever. Exactly, exactly. And they have reasons. Whereas, you know, for me, it's like, I'll go to the grocery store, sure. Yeah. And it's like, I wash my hands, I wear a mask, I do all the things that I should be doing. Yeah. So it just all depends on your comfort level. But, um, and even by the way, you know, even the travel industry is saying, you can travel, just be smart about it because they've done their part. Now, as travelers, as we start kind of getting back out there, we have to do our part and abide by, you know, the protocols and the and the requests that these businesses are asking of us. We need to to play by the the groundwork that they've laid for us, laid down for us, so that we can all get out of this sooner. You know. Sure. You mentioned that you have a video coming out this week, and I know you've done a couple of hundred at least videos on your on your website, theaskaconcierge.tv. One that I watched recently, I think it might have been, been your most recent video, but about traveling smart. You alluded to that a, a moment ago, uh, and I hate to put you on the spot, and you may, yep. I don't know if you'll recall all your tips, but what are some of those specific tips? I, I mean, I could go through the video and, and could show it and put a link to it on here, and I certainly can. Yeah. But what comes to mind for you on ways that we can travel smart? Let's just let, talk to my wife and me for a minute. <clears throat> We're going to go to Bryce Canyon next week, later this week, to go camping. We've got a you know, six or seven hour drive with an overnight stop in between, which again is probably the majority of most of the travel people, not to Bryce to go camping, but those shorter trips. What types of, of advice, or for those that want to book a trip still through and yeah. travel somewhere on, yeah. on an airplane, what would you suggest? So number one, I would say is to research your destination. So you want to just research the destination, just get an idea for like what's open, what it's like there, what are the expectations also what are the numbers like there as well too, just so that you have an idea in case you happen to be going to a place that is a hot spot, you know, or, or whatever, or, or if you're not, you just want to be mindful. So you just want to research the destination. Then on top of that is that you want to plan. Right now, you, you know, maybe before where people would be like, you know what, I'm just going to wing it. I'll find a hotel along the yeah. way. And I'll just I like to travel. Like, I guess, past tense. Like, for sure. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But for now, what I would recommend is to just plan a little bit more in advance. So make sure that you know where you're staying, reconfirm, find out what they happen to be doing. If you have any sort of uh, questions or reservations about what they might be doing to to make your stay you know a safe one 
definitely call them, reach out. And um, because a, a lot of, you know, the hotels definitely have that information. It's generally readily available on their websites, but you can also call and speak to somebody as well too. So I think that that's another great thing is to actually plan and have those reservations uh, down and, ha and yeah. have that idea. And then, you know, go with the expectation that it's probably going to be a little bit different than if you were traveling at another time and be okay with that and be okay. You know what? This is the situation. This is what it is. And, um, you know, there's no really reason to, to, to fight it. Um, and, you know, obviously then the other things is to just like be smart. So opt for more outdoor activities. If you are around people, you know, try to avoid crowds if you can, uh, you know, if wear a mask, I mean, that's pretty much mandated in most places. Just, just do it. Um, because we all just want to kind of get out of this sooner than later. Caution is a lot of people are saying, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it. You just want to be be smart and and do something because you want to just not think only about yourself, but just think about others as well too. Yeah. That's good advice everywhere, whether you're traveling or not. This is true. This I've is heard true. you talk about how you recommend that people. Not that you don't want to use the online travel services that are out there, but you're a big advocate for call the travel agent, call the hotel, call the airline. 100%. I would always. imagine now, especially, definitely you want to have those conversations. Hey, what's it like where you are? Mm -hmm. you know, what should I expect when I come into your hotel or go into your city? Yeah. So, well, here's the basic thing for those people that don't, they're like, wait, why would I, what, but what about deals and this and that? Yeah. Here's the thing with when you book with a third party and an online travel agent, this has always been the case, is that uh, if should anything go wrong, should there be any changes or anything, now you don't just have to deal with one business giving you a change fee or um, a cancellation fee or whatever. Now you're dealing with two because you're dealing with either the hotel or the airline as well as the third party booking site. Uh, and also generally, you know, if you read between like the, if you read the fine print when you're booking on some of these, these third party sites and you're like, wow, well, I'm able to say $15. And then it's like, yeah, but then there's this weird fee after the fact, they like tack it on in a weird way. And then you're like, I've just paid the exact same amount. Whereas if you book direct, all of a sudden you're having a direct, relationship with that business and um and that's how you can you, you know you can talk to them to be like hey i'm coming i'm traveling for the first time i need, i need a corner room or it's it's an anniversary or can you do something i'm allergic to feathers or whatever it is sure so um i just always booking direct is just far easier and simpler and it just cuts it you're cutting out the middleman where it's yeah. not necessary Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense because you're definitely going to, and I get, because you do what you do, and I'm certainly this way, very relationship driven. Totally. Starting that relationship right away by picking up the phone and having that conversation. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, when we're talking about middleman, it is different if you're working with a travel agent. So a travel agent is not necessarily a middleman in the sense that, because generally the travel agent the travel agent is providing almost like a curated service. So generally when the travel agent books for you, they are booking direct. So they're just going to help you. So in, in essence, instead of you having to be like, oh, I need to cancel my flight, you can just call them up and be like, I need to cancel my flight and they'll handle it for yeah. you. So they're not a middleman as in like, there's all these strings attached, like say, if you're booking with an online travel agent. So they're sort of your travel concierge to, 100%. to use your, your term. Totally, Excellent. totally. So that's why they're great. 
I'm just curious. I mean, I, I, obviously you love what you do. It comes out in the conversations we've had and in this conversation as well. What's the best thing about the job that you have right now? Why do you love it so much? And what, what is it that uh, puts a smile on your face every day when you get to, when, in those days when you actually got to go to work, but still you're working every day? What is yeah. it that you love about it? You know, for me, I love connecting with people and that's my, my, and connecting with people from all around the world. That for me is what really gets it going. And whether it's within a hotel environment and I'm, you know, connecting with travelers in that sense, uh, or, or whether it's online and it's through, you know, a conversation online with somebody on a different social media platform, uh, or, or, you know, even like having, you uh, doing a webinar series. I'm also, you know, very active in, in the educational space in regards to this, but it's being able to connect with people just from around the world. It just reminds us of like who we are, like we're all human, you know, right. there, there may be different shapes, sizes, colors that, you know, beliefs, languages, whatever, but it's at the same day, like, you know, there is this human element that what we're feeling here is the same as what some people might be feeling in Argentina might be the same as they're feeling in Germany or in India or in Hong Kong. Like, and when you really kind of ne like boil it down to that, it, it really, there's sort of like some comfort in that sort of camaraderie, you know? And, and then the special thing is like when you're able to kind of delight people. So either delighting people by doing something special through service uh, or encouraging people to think in a different way and, and um, opening their mind to looking at the world in a different way, which is why I'm such a huge fan of travel because I really feel like it's, it, it is an education like no other and can just really enhance all aspects of your life. Yeah. So I'm the king of two-part questions. Yeah. Every time I ever do an interview, I always, I always ask two parts. So part one is favorite place you've been. Part two is bucket list place that's next when the world is safe again and you can go anywhere you'd like. Okay. Um, okay. Favorite place. Gosh, it's so, I'm, I have a hard time playing favorites and I think it's because mm -hmm. my grandmother was always like, I can't choose a favorite granddaughter. And I'm like, I'm her favorite. But, um, well, you already knew that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I remind her every time I see her too. It's yeah. amazing. Um, but, uh, oh gosh, favorite, favorite, favorite. Um, goodness. Uh, gosh, favorite is so hard. I can offend anybody here. No, 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 no. It's not offending because here's yeah. the thing. This is what, so I'm like the opposite sort of tra like, okay, what do I do? I help plan people's travels. When I travel, I like don't plan anything like aside from where yeah. I'm staying. Because you plan and so, for a living, sure. And, and I just keep my expectations low in essence so that I just go when I'm in awe. So I'm always almost always pleasantly surprised. Uh, some of my, how about this? Some of my favorite destinations from last year, because I traveled to 35 different places last year to give wow. you an idea. Wow. 35 is a lot of places. It is. Um, it's a lot. Uh, Nicaragua was delightful. I was like, oh, why would I go to Nicaragua? And I went and I was like, why would I not go to Nicaragua? Well, I go back now, right? Sure. Amazing. Um, if people that there was a whole Costa Rica trend, um, if you want something that's a little less touristy, Nicaragua is the place to go. Uh, Malta mm -hmm. was also amazing. Again, when people think of going to the Mediterranean and it's like all the crowded beaches in the summertime in like Italy, go to Malta. And it's like, it's not necessarily as crowded and the history of that island sure. is 
out of control. And I'm sorry, to be able to swim in the Mediterranean in the middle of the summer is pretty like next level. Uh, and, and, we, and it's not overly pricey, you know? So that, that's another great option. Um, and then I, I finally went to Southeast Asia for the first time last year. And that was- Where'd really, you go? I went to, did kind of a whirlwind trip. So I went to Krabi, Thailand, um, e, uh, Ipoh and Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, mm-hmm. um, and then um, Bintan, Indonesia. And they were all spectacular in all different ways. I mean, Thailand, I mean, I can't wait to go and explore more of Thailand. Um, and I went to Vietnam for the first time to Southeast Asia as well. I was in uh, yeah. Manor, Saigon, and, and we took a study abroad group from Cal State Fullerton for 10 days. That must and have we been were, incredible. Oh, it was amazing. And we were going to get the food, the culture, just waking up. It's like when I was in Australia back in 2002 and standing at the Opera House in Sydney, I truly mm-hmm. felt like I was standing inside of a postcard. Right. And I had that experience a lot in Vietnam as well. Looking forward to going back. Oh, and that's the whole thing. It's it's like, that's why I'm like, I have a hard time saying one favorite place because it's all of them are so magical in all these different ways. And, um, and yeah, so as far as bucket lists, Morocco has been on my bucket list forever. And I don't know how I keep like the plans like almost happen and then they don't happen. Uh, So Morocco is on my bucket list. I would like to explore more of um, East Asia. I've never been to Japan, Mm. oddly enough. Um, And I've also never been to Turkey. I'd like to do that as well too. So all different places. So what about the domestic, going back to your your advice of staying within, you know, let's just round it up to 500 miles. Is there a place that's your next trip here locally that you'd like to go to? Or maybe one of those, you talked about Sedona, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. I've been many oh my God. And that was on my bucket list, by the way. And I made that happen. So that I was like, if I'm able to make a bucket list travel destination happen during the pandemic, anybody can. So there's uh, Southern California family listening today that is looking at taking a one week vacation, you know, A, maybe in September when schools are sort of back mm-hmm. in session online and it's less crowded and they can take the family. Because now with online learning, we can take our kids anytime. Yeah. Whether it's in a hotel or RV or wherever, they can be doing their online education from literally anywhere. Any suggested places that are close by that maybe people don't think about too often here? Ooh, ooh. I mean, I would, yeah, definitely I'd explore. So Utah's been a hot spot. A lot of people going to Utah, a lot of people. So I think, you know, being able to do that in general, it's like heading east from us uh it is kind of like a hot a hot thing all around arizona um you know even places like page arizona uh you know some of the other places that might not be like the main spot of like the grand canyon you know so other places a little bit um off the beaten path with that um you know funny enough is even even doing a drive up the coast of California. I mean, I think that that's so often overlooked and maybe people have done it or maybe they haven't, or they've done part of it. I've only done part of it. And I'm like, how have I lived here for so long? And I've only done part of it. So that's definitely on my list for me to do next is to go up. I've missed big Sur. I've come down to just, just above it. And I've driven up to just below it, but I need to do the whole thing. thing, Um, And then, you know, even doing like Sonoma and Napa as well too, you know, again, Right now, you're kind of hitting it right before their harvesting season, but mm-hmm. they've, you, it's so beautiful up there. And 
uh, they had at one point, you know, I, they had some of their tasting rooms open because they were outdoors. Right. So I don't know where they are now. I would definitely check on that because I know everything is fluctuating. Um, but that's also kind of a great spot to go to. The Redwoods, gosh, there's so much to go to. There you go. <laughs> well, this is becoming a travel uh, podcast today. I love it. This because is, this travel, is. So many of us love to travel, like I said, whether it's a weekend getaway or, and a lot of the things that you've talked about are things that my wife and I have talked about doing as well. Certainly the Napa trip, you and I talked last week about going up to see our friends up at Tuxedo as well. What would you tell the person who might be, at Cal State Fullerton where I work, we have a a center for hospitality and tourism. Mm -hmm. Um, And I apologize, I probably got the name of that center wrong. But ultimately, a lot of the students that attend Cal State Fullerton in that particular program are looking for that big opportunity to get into hospitality. What advice might you give that student or maybe someone even younger or someone even looking at potentially a career change to get into whether it's being a concierge or just working in hospitality in general? So that's a great question. Uh, It is, it's going to be difficult right now. I wish I could say, oh, it's super easy, but that would be a complete lie. Uh, So it, it is going to be challenging. That being said, hospitality and the travel industry will definitely come back. It's not going anywhere for good. There's just, it's this rebound is just, it's going to be a little challenging. So that being said, I would say if you're looking to do it, um, know that it might be a little bit of a difficult time, but to not necessarily have that, um, don't lose hope, but then also be open to maybe different positions within that industry, because right now what we're seeing is, as you know, some of these places might slowly be bringing back people, traditional positions and roles might be slightly modified. So really be open, be flexible. Uh, don't ever be like, well, that's not my job. Yeah. Anything is your job right now. It's like, oh, you need me to that's go. Clean hats that you got to put on, right? That's- 100%, exactly. So it's, it's to know that you know, it is, it is a challenging time, um, but to not be discouraged if, um, you know, if it's difficult to find a job right now, because those jobs will become available at some point. And quite frankly, I, I actually view the industry almost like a slingshot, you know? And so right now it's like being pulled back, pulled back, pulled mm-hmm. back, pulled back. And at some point, you know, just, you just have to be ready. Yeah. And it's going to, yeah. go and for those that have stayed in the game or getting in the game or just like there that are with it when it shoots out are going to do really well so um yeah that's kind of my weird slingshot <laughs> i like that analogy because I, I always use the analogy of kind of are you the front car of the roller coaster or the, or the back car are you the first one down the hill which also means you're gonna be the first one back up or are you the last and i get that in the travel industry it's probably somewhere in the middle totally but in a lot of places we were told you're shutting down and literally fingers snapped and you're now working from home. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there were still people traveling. There were people like, you know, a lot of my friends were not at home when, on 9-11 in 2001. So they eventually over days had to get home. Mm-hmm. Just like with this, I'm sure people gradually got to the point where they're now home and working there. Yeah. Um, to be curious to see, I, it, I've sort of asked this and we've addressed it a couple more questions, but this one is, what do you think the travel industry as a whole will look like Let's say we get to the point where we're post-pandemic, we have a vaccine, this isn't really a concern anymore. Um, What do you think it's gonna look like? Uh, You know, definitely the cleanliness factor is going to be there and be very relevant. I think um, especially, 
So I always say when, when anything sort of big happens, I always like, I rely on the short-term memory of people because in sure. general, we, everybody yeah. has a short-term memory. But where this is going to be a bit different is as we do have waves and experience waves or experience an extended wave, um, an extended tsunami, uh, right. it, it's going to stick with people a little bit more. So that short-term memory it won't be as short. So people will definitely be mindful of it. Um, so cleanliness will definitely be part of a new new factor. I, I mean, I don't think that it's always going, you know, we're not always going to have to have, you know, plastic up, you know, between, between you and the cashier. The, yeah, the, like the, exactly, the plexiglass. Uh, we won't always have to wear masks. You know, at some point that will be a thing that like, we won't have to do anymore. Um, so there will be, I, I think it's just, we're going to be shifting far more towards, you know, space, mm -hmm. you know, like a sensitivity to space and people that are willing to pay a little bit more paying a premium for space. Sure, so sure. whether it's more of like a private activity or just like, again, whether it's more space on a plane at a, an event, something like that. So I think that we'll we'll be seeing a trend towards that. And then the, maybe I sound crazy saying this, but I do feel like down the line, a lot of things will go back to how they were mm -hmm. in the sense that like, I mean, I'm talking about, we have to really be over the pandemic, sure. but it, I mean, life went back to some sort of sense of normalcy after the Spanish flu, you know, it's gone back to some sort of normalcy after like different Granted, they haven't been as devastating as this. We've adapted post 9-11. I mean, before, if I wanted to take, you know, my wife to the airport on a trip, I could walk her to the gate. And now I drop her yeah, the curb. Can, so, yeah. Know. So, there are definitely... adapted to those things. Yeah. And there will definitely... We can see... Well, basically, what I would say is that we'll see remnants of this. So, like yeah. how with 9-11, now TSA screening, you can't walk people to the... That's a remnant of 9-11. Right. So I think we'll see. I, I, I don't quite know what that will be, whether it is the cleanliness factor, um, which is my gut, um, that there's an element of that. But I, I don't know if there's going to be, you know, something else. Um, but it'll be a remnant of it as opposed to a complete, like, 180, a totally yeah. different experience. So my last two-part question and then my final question. Sure. The last two-part is what do you miss the most that you haven't been able to do these last five months? And you can be as specific about a unique experience or a restaurant or, or what have you. And what have you learned that you hope you will take with you? You talked about the remnants of the things that, mm -hmm. you know, that will be with us forever. You know, maybe the nice thing is the restaurants will be cleaner, the hotel, whatever it looks like. What have you learned that you hope to take with you personally as a result of this? I am um, okay. So the two parts. So what I miss the most is, uh, I I really miss, uh, like, I I I miss the real human interaction. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm single. I live by myself in Los Angeles. My family is not here, so I don't have my family nearby. Sure. Um, and I haven't had a chance to go visit them yet. Uh. And, you know, even visiting certain friends has been, has been significantly limited. So it's, it's really that human interaction with, you know, the people that kind of like matter most in my particular case. Sure. Now, what I've learned that I've definitely grown to appreciate is this change of pace because I, what my joke, the joke was, is that my nickname was tornado. I would like mm. come in like a tornado. Yeah. 
I was always, I was like coming from the airport, putting on a suit, going to work, going from a meeting, get, like brushing my hair as I'm doing, like I, w I was a tornado um, in a good way. of multitasking, right? You were 100%. doing all at once. Yeah. 100%. Um, and so what's been nice about this is that change of pace and that I've still been able to kind of, in essence, be impactful with what I do, but it's just far more deliberate. And so that's been really nice to be like, oh, you don't have to go like a crazy person to like still make an impact. You can make an impact with more breathing room. So finding time to really breathe um, a bit more in the daily life, that more, whether one could argue the work-life balance yeah, has yeah. been has been nice. And then it's also been a bit of this like trimming the, it's, you're trimming the fat. You're trimming the fat of of life. So from what's the unnecessary stuff that we like, find ourselves doing and going to what the unnecessary people that like, why are we really having to engage them or have them in our lives? Uh, so it really is trimming the fat on what is just Im important and just really focusing on, on the, the big the rock, the, the, the big important stuff. Yeah. Totally. yeah. And we talked about that when we spoke last week too. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people that the relationships we're having and that we're continuing to, to, you know, feed right now, it's not necessarily, if I'm at work and I say, hey, how you doing? I might say that 300 times to 300 different people mm -hmm. and have one conversation as a result. Yeah. Now, if I say, hey, Sarah, how you doing? We're now having an hour long conversation or a 10 minute or whatever the case, it's more intentional, I guess. Is the 100%. I mean, even I'd see that at the grocery store, you'd see mm -hmm. people being like, how are you? Is everybody okay? How's your family? And it's like somebody that's like ordering like lunch meat from the counter, but the, you know, it's, yeah. Whereas before it'd be like, I want a pound of turkey. <laughs> like now they're exactly. like, is everything okay? How are you feeling? You know, it's, and so we are seeing far more um, deliberate uh, interactions. Which yeah. is For nice. extroverts like you and me, we, you know, we thrive on all that interaction with a lot of different people. But this is oh. actually for me, I remember the conversations more now than I probably did before, which is good. Oh. And that's, that's okay. what I hope to take with me is that I'll continue mm -hmm. that way of communicating with people even after this. When I can be in the hallway or 40,000 students on campus and walk by, I still hope that I'll be a little more intentional with my conversations with people as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And there's also an element of being almost like location uh, independent as well as so many of us, and this might be a bit more of the temporary thing, but might be able to do work from home or do work on the road or whatever. There, there's a little bit of a sense of freedom that's like, oh, maybe I don't have to always go to the office. So right. it, exploring a little bit of what that feels like, because that's kind of scary if you're used to um, being rooted somewhere. But then it's like, oh, why if I can still get this done and go have, you know, stay at the grandparents' house for a week, how mm -hmm. amazing is that? Yeah, so, I see a lot of people saying, I'm coming to you from the apartment at my grandma's house in, you know, lower Manhattan. And it's like, well, I've been here for a month because I can't really travel. And yeah, so there's a lot of things like that. What's your goal for Ask a Concierge and what's, what do you, what's your vision for what that will be? And then I guess I lied a minute ago and I said that was my last two part. This one is. So what's the goal and then how do people reach you if they want to learn more about what you do and, and um, what's next for you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, I definitely have a, a um, I'll share more of like the more immediate goals because there's definitely a long-term plan for sure. But uh, more immediate goals and, and things that I'm actually actively working on that I'm very excited to share is, uh, you know, my, my, I have a hospitality consulting um, part of my business and that is really growing uh, 
quite a bit right now, which is so exciting because um, being able to kind of bring that sort of like hospitality element to other industries is really something that I am passionate about. So that's exciting that it's, it's growing in that, in that regard. Uh, I am also working on a book nice. as well too. I have wanted to do a book for quite some time, but I wanted it to be the right book at the right time on the right topic and not just a book to be like, oh, I wrote a book. Here's my book. I, yeah. I really wanted to, you know, add value, um, you know, to, to whoever ends up, um, you know, to the right audience. So uh, I am excited that I am going to be working on that. And- uh, Can you share anything about that or too early? What? Can you share anything specific about oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I could share, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hospitality book. So it'll be a hospitality. So it'll be a little bit more driven towards the hospitality industry in regards to, yeah, in, in regards to that. So <laughs> just kind of like working out the details and, and, and all of that. So I don't have any um, insight of like when it's coming out, but that is something right. that I am working on. And we'll have that out before the end of the year for sure. Awesome. Uh, and then, you know, always kind of like the big thing is we'd love to create that travel show. So mm -hmm. also always working on that in the background as well. You've been on Good Day LA. You've been on the Kelly Clarkson show. How did those come about? Uh, you know, oh gosh, uh, it's, it's just been from years of, of experience of creating the video content my you know myself and um really positioning myself in that way that you know i'm able to provide that sort of expertise so when they're looking for an expert person to come on um it's like oh she has a proven track record and we we know what she looks like and she can speak on camera perfect we'll use her <laughs> yeah there you go now there are a lot of people who like i said are, are travelers there's companies who are looking for how do they figure out what their travel is going to look like for their company. They may want to get in touch with you for your expertise or Definitely. anybody that just wants to learn more about your career and background or your book coming out or whatever it is. Yeah. Best way for people to find you. Absolutely. So the best way would be to just go to my website, which is askaconcierge.tv. Um, but if you are more into social media and you like the idea of more of like regular updates, I am very uh, active on social media. So that, one of my biggest platforms is Instagram. So that's Ask a Concierge there. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, and then if you really want to connect uh, on LinkedIn as well, too. Excellent. Well, Sarah, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you sharing. Hopefully people who are worried about or wondering about what the future of travel will look like will get some content, not only from our conversation today, but in future follow-up and, and going to your site and connecting with you. I know I'll be watching closely because like I said, I, my wife and I have had several personal trips canceled. We've had some business trips canceled. And uh, I do like this new technology that allows us to do this and might save money in a lot of ways, but mm -hmm. still nothing replaces that, that human touch and that personal touch and that Agreed. opportunity to see parts of the world that we may not normally get to see. Mm -hmm. So as I've told you before, and everybody that's ever watched or listened to my podcast knows the final question. The name of the podcast is From the Heart. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up today, Sarah Dandeshi, what's in your heart? Oh, oh. Um, I would say gratitude. Gratitude is really in my heart. Um, and I've been really kind of, and I don't know if that sounds silly or whatever, but um, just in this time where there's so much that's uncertain and for whole industries, for seeing people that are losing their jobs, for all sorts of stuff, is that just kind of that grateful for, for just the simple things? Because really at the end of the day, we've had so much of our 
our lives shaken up. And so what does it come down to? The simple things and the things that matter. And so I'm so grateful for those. Um, so yeah, so gratitude is in my heart. <laughs>